Happy New Year, Potsheads! Welcome back to another episode of the Potscast. I'm your host, Peter Bessie, joined as always by my very good friend, Mr. Stephen Radford. How you doing, Steve? I'm good, Pete. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, my friend. Um, it's good to be back, man. I, it's, we were only like a week off, but like, I, it feels like it's been a bit. Do you know, it's, it's been really nice. Like, I've had some time, I've caught up on some games, I've slept absolutely, like, tons. Yeah. I'm feeling good. I needed that downtime for sure. Yeah. Especially considering that the first week of 2020 has been an absolute hellscape, both personally and on a global scale. So uh, I (laughs) thank God I got a break before that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hopefully we've got good things to come. Um, We definitely did because Animal Crossing. So, like, you know, that's going to make everything better. Yeah, I'm just hoping that my country doesn't get bombed before then. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) You'll start the episode on a positive note. (laughs) (laughs) Just got to get it out of the way, you know? (laughs) So uh, the last time we talked, we we had our kind of end of the year episode. We talked about the games we were going to be playing over our break. How many of those did you get around to? I I have played um, a fair few games. The only two I really played that were on that list were Luigi's Mansion 3 and Sayonara Wild Hearts. Okay. I ended up getting three copies of The Witcher 3. I saw you shared that like... in our Discord. Crack- <laughs> Me and Pixel were laughing our asses about that. We sat down like last week on our week off to record an After Dark where we did our Witcher. Uh, we did like a review of the Netflix show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so head over to Patreon if you want to check that out. And uh, he was like, did you see that Steve got three <laughs> copies of The Witcher? That's 900 hours of gameplay. It was like, oh, I know. I mean, you say you want to, you say you want The Witcher 3 and people end up getting you three copies of The Witcher. So I guess it really, uh, really works out. Asking, you shall receive. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that meme on, on Twitter that always goes around. It's like, um, I said I really wanted a copy of of. I said I really wanted a PS4 for Christmas, and my mum ended up getting me four PS4s or whatever, four PlayStations, <laughs> and it's like four copies, like four boxes of original PlayStations. <laughs> but you haven't played it yet. No, I haven't. Have you? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's crazy. I got three copies of that game, and I still haven't fucking tried it. Yeah, Sarah's still playing my copy, like off and on, uh, but I haven't really touched it yet. I played a bunch of other games though. I've been mainly focusing on Luigi's Mansion 3, so I got that just before Christmas. I think I said, like, if I'd have maybe had a chance to play a little bit more, it might have made it onto my Game of the Year list. Yeah. Having played, like, a ton more, I'm, like, two... I've got two buttons left to find, and then the main final boss, and then I think that's pretty much it for the game, at least the story mode. I haven't really played any of the scarescraper stuff. Are you really digging it? It is. I was. It's kind of got really samey and really repetitive as time has gone on. I see. And, like, until it got to the point where I was just getting sick and tired of, of uh, the professor just popping in every, every second to tell you how to complete the puzzle. You'd be, like, midway through solving one of the puzzles and, like, they're not necessarily difficult, but trying to figure out, you know, do I need to use, like, the dark light? Do I need to suck off something off the wall to uncover, like, a, a hole for Guigi to go in? You'd be midway through solving the puzzle and he'd pop up on the screen to tell you pretty much exactly what to do every I single time. That. And there, I found out there is a setting to turn it off, but the game never prompts you to, like, to to turn the setting off. Yeah, so by the time you knew that, it was already kind of like... Yeah, I'm already, like, halfway through the game, and I'm like, for fuck's sake, all he's been doing throughout the whole thing is just spoiling the game and telling me how to solve all these puzzles, which are, like, part of the fun of Luigi's Mansion. So that was kind of a bit of a disappointment. I recommend if you're going to pick up Luigi's Mansion, um, don't bother uh, listening to the professor just turn off the... 
hints immediately because it will make the experience a lot more enjoyable. You you paused there for a second, and I really thought you were going to leave it as if you were thinking about picking up Luigi's Mansion just 3. Don't just don't bother. <laughs> I was like, damn. <laughs> I, don't, I don't agree with the, the, the ratings the games like had overall. Like, it yeah. seems to have got like an average of a 9 out of 10, and I would probably put it personally as like a 7. Oh, wow. Um, okay. We, we gave it 3.5. Yeah. So it's kind of in line with where I would say it is. It's not it's not a perfect game. There's still some like it's still too repetitive for me and the the number of moves that Lu- Luigi can do essentially all he can do is suck them and slam them on the floor. He doesn't really do anything more than that. There there are a, a fair few number of ghosts, but once you've kind of figured them out, um the way you kind of have to <clears throat> attack them, you've solved it and that's it. There's no real skill involved and i know it's probably really because it's a family game aimed towards like a younger audience but i think it could have been more yeah i i don't i don't personally care for that logic when it's like oh well it's like intended for younger players so it's got to be like stupid easy it's like man when i was a kid like i played plenty of hard games you know like there's nothing wrong with being challenged like kids are capable of playing tough games yeah i beat you know, Link's Awakening when I was in the womb, according I know, to you and I Pixel. Heard that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. talked all about that on the Fanatics Four show this week. Go check that out. Oh god. So yeah, that's what I've been playing mainly. But I, w- I also picked up Sayonara Wild Hearts finally on. Switch. I saw you tweeting about that a little bit. Yeah, really fun game. It's just a, it's just a simple rhythm game. The levels are really interesting. Each one kind of has a very different creative style to them. There's some that are like. Um, you play. I've just played this one level where you're like playing it on the front of a VR headset, and like it's really, really cool. There's one that's like a an old Vectrex style game that you're like oh, flying cool. through, like um, flying past Tetris pieces and stuff. There's like nice. ones where you're on a motorbike. Really fun, really cool soundtrack. Really, really visual game. Uh, I would recommend picking it up. I I got it on sale, but um, even if I hadn't, I think I would have. Even if it didn't go on sale, I think I would have ended up picking it up anyway. That's one that's been on my radar. I actually didn't realize that it was already on Switch. I thought it was coming to Switch later. So I, uh, I, I've heard like a lot of good buzz about it. Definitely a game that's like on my radar for sure. Mm. Well, be- before I go on to the other ones I've been playing, what have you kind of picked up over Christmas? So I knocked out a ton of the games that I called out in our 2020 episode. Um, not quite all of them, but because uh, I named like a lot, but I got more than I thought I would get done. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I finished up Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, which, uh, I, I really, really enjoyed. It was one of my favorite games of last year and I was, I was finally able to, to rap on it. Um, I really was very frustrated by the final boss. Yeah. I saw you tweeting about that. What, what was it that was the issue? It really pissed me off because I think that the game is like, it's very well paced and I think it's it's challenging throughout, and it really teaches you to get better at the game rather than, like, as the difficulty ramps, you're kind of forced to learn how to engage with the parry system better and, like, recognize that, like, a lot of your skills, you know, like, if you're relying on one or two skills, like, you're going to box yourself in and, like, you really are encouraged to explore the skill mm-hmm. tree and, like, really get comfortable with how your character moves and what they can do. And I remember feeling like 
the the last boss before the final boss i was like this is an amazing boss fight like i love this it's really hard and it it was kicking my ass but eventually i re i recognized the pattern i figured out how to manipulate him in the way i was supposed to and i and i felt this really like this great feeling of accomplishment and then you get to that final boss and like it does i think a lot of the cardinal sins of like bad final bosses where it breaks all of not all but many of the conventions that you've come to understand as this is how you play the game this is how you beat a boss because generally speaking all of the bosses have a certain number of moves that they chain together in different orders they have some unblockable attacks that you have to dodge and like they move through phases you know so like you get in a rhythm you understand the rhythm you eventually beat the boss the final boss fight is randomized so she has a number of moves but she'll chain them together at random so mm -hmm. it's like there'll be moments where it's like oh she does two or three unblockable attacks in a row or she has this one move where you get her down to 50 percent of her life and then she does a new animation that you've never seen before and if you don't know immediately that you need to dodge it she catches you and it deals like 70 percent of your life bar so if you're not like at pretty much full health at that point like you're basically gonna die like and it just felt cheap yeah it just feels like you're just, you're just gonna end up getting frustrated it feels like that and i did i hit to the point where i was like i don't even want to do this anymore and i knocked the difficulty down and was like i'm done like i don't want to play anymore this is this is killed in my enthusiasm to get better and beat this in a game that i loved every other moment of That's and and it sucks because the story beat of that final boss is awesome. The aftermath of it is awesome. The way the game ends was super satisfying. So overall, I would still say it's like a really, really solid like, you know, 8.5 probably for me. And I think it flirts with almost that 9 status. Like it's a very good game. But I just did not like the final boss and it pissed me off. But um, that aside, like excellent game if you can pick it up on sale or something like absolutely go go jump in if you're a star wars fan i think it's uh the best single player star wars game in like decades you know um, when was the last single star wars game i mean the last one was uh force unleashed which a lot of people liked i was not a huge fan of those games um i would i would say this is the best single player star wars game since the the kotor stuff they did yeah. like back on the xbox you know so uh yeah definitely worth checking out and it's it's a really good ride, I think. Uh, and aside from that, I played Life is Strange 2, which I called out. Oh, was awesome. one that I really wanted to play. I was so blown away with that game. I'm so surprised those games never made a Switch. I I know that they have... I think they're talking about now getting them on Switch. Because it feels like that would be the perfect thing to take to bed with you, play an episode... The original ones on iOS and Android, so there's no reason that they can't. You know, yeah. I think it's just a matter of they haven't yet. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I hope they do, though. That They would be right at home at Switch, and I would love to be able to do some content here about them um, and, like, try to drum up, you know, people who've never checked it out before because I, I love those games. And uh, two, I think your your mileage may vary. Like, there are some people who don't care for the cast as much in this game as the original games, but I think that overall, the writing and the gameplay systems are actually a lot better. And um, one of the things I called out in my tweets about it when I, I was kind of finishing it up and, and throwing out my thoughts about it was, so the entire game is about these two brothers who are Mexican-Americans who end up, um, you know, on the run from the police. 
because of the whole and if you don't know about life is strange the whole thing is basically like it's about teenagers and there's always like a supernatural twist and uh they because of the supernatural twist they go on the run from the police because the older brother like does not think that anyone's going to believe what happened and that you know they're going to be like you know uh held accountable for something that they didn't do and I think it was, like, around the third or fourth episode when I had been playing for a while, I realized that every time I entered an interaction with a white person, I went in with anxiety. Wow. Uh, because I was anticipating – not necessarily anticipating, but, like, it was always that coin flip of, is this person going to be cool or are they going to be – like, are they going to pull some racist shit? Are they going to try to hurt me? Like, mm-hmm. And obviously, like, as a, you know, a white man, like, that's something that – I know that that's the reality of the country that I that I live in that I call home, but it's something that you know I've never experienced in a firsthand way where it felt visceral like that. Where mm-hmm. I was, I I noticed fear. That's really powerful writing to really be able to put you in a headspace that's different from your own and make you like empathize with how another person sees the world, you know? And and how did it sit like compared to the first one then? Was it as powerful or more powerful than the first one, do you think? Uh I would say as powerful, more powerful in different ways. Okay. And I think the original is is more powerful in its own ways. Are they are they do they like is it a follow on story or are they, is it like an anthology kind of game or it's like different It's more of an anthology. So the the original game takes uh takes place in a town called Arcadia Bay and it follows two characters Max and Chloe. Uh the prequel that they did before the storm is about Chloe when she was younger and then this game is about two brothers uh Sean and Daniel and they live they live on the west coast and like there are things from the original game that are referenced or that like come up and some of the choices that you made in the first game have ramifications in this game but the the stories don't really intersect any more than that. There are um there are a few things I won't I won't spoil because if you're going in blind and you've played the original, like it's better for you to catch the references as they happen, I think, rather than yeah. for me to tell you like, oh, this it's in this way or it's in that way. But there are nods to the original for sure. And uh particularly I was really satisfied with the way that they handled how the the big end game choice that you have to make is is reflected because I thought that um, they did a really good job of making it that feel like either one of those choices is valid, you know, and like you get just as much content kind of either way from what I understand. Um, so, yeah, I think they handled it about as best as they could because I watched um, kind of funny did a spoiler cast about it where they had the two directors and the the lead writer on to talk about it. And they were saying that, you know, they really didn't want to go back to Max and Chloe's story and, like, force themselves to think, well, what happens next for them? Because they had already said what they wanted to say. So as much as I was kind of initially a little bit like, oh, I love those characters. I want to know what happens next for them. This game did a really good job of, like, kind of giving me a little bit of a glimpse into what happens in that segment of the world, but also moving in a new direction and establishing that, like, Life is Strange doesn't have to be about Max and Chloe. 
No, and see, one of the other franchises that I really like, Uncharted, was one of the games that did that so well as well. Yeah. Like, get making it so, yeah, this game doesn't have to be about Nathan Drake. It can be about other characters. And we had Nadine and Chloe in the, the latest Uncharted kind of spin-off. But I think that will be where that franchise goes. I don't think they'll let that series die just because Nathan Drake's no longer involved. Yeah, and, and I think that's, like, that's great. You know, it's 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 more like telling you okay when you pick up this game you know that there's a spirit here yeah. like you know that the aesthetic will be the same you know that the way that it deals with um interpersonal issues and relationships and and making it feel like the choices that you make have gravity and all those kinds of things like those all shine through and that is i think the best of both worlds you know because thankfully uh Titan who's a comic publisher they actually have a comic right now that's about uh, one of the potential like timelines of how things play out for Max and Chloe. So it's like I'm getting a complete, you know, keep following their story in this book format if I want. And I got to fall in love with the whole new cast of characters and go to all these different locales and cool. you know. And I think that worked really well. And are the comics canon or is it kind of like a separate thing? It's canon, but it's only canon. It's like the whole thing of the original game is that like time travel is a major element. So there are okay. multiple like multiple timelines. Yeah, and this is so, one of them. Yeah, and in, in the original, like in the first issue of the comic, it's very much like, oh, like there are infinite number of realities that it could have played out. This is one of them. Okay, that's cool. So if they do kind of bring Max and Chloe back for, say, Life is Strange three, it may be that some of the stuff in the comic doesn't kind of fit in. Yeah, and that's fine because that's the thing is in Life is Strange two, there were clues to what happened in their timeline that didn't line up with the comic. Okay. In the way that I knew it. So I was like, oh, great. Perfect. Like, I can, you know, you can, they, they've they set it up in a way where they can kind of make everything or nothing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, with no restriction. And and I think that's the best scenario for sure. Um. So, yeah, I highly recommend the game. They are on sale all the time. So mm-hmm. keep an eye out if you've never checked them out. I think, I think, I think Life is Strange is actually on Game Pass as well. On I think Xbox. it is. Yeah. So I may end up getting that one. One in before the storm might be. Mm-hmm. I, I really, I really hope you do because I, I really like them and I think you'd like them for the same reason. They're, they're a good ride, and I would definitely say if you pick up the original, um, if the first episode doesn't grab you, just start the next one. Okay, we'll just skip it and just go on to number two. No, don't do that. So play the first one, and then if it's, I'm still not grabbed, play episode two, and then that's really where the hook is. Yeah, okay, I, I think so. Because I know when I played it the first time, I played the first episode, and I was like, oh, this is this is cool. I like this. Uh, but it didn't, like, grab me. Yeah. And I think that, like, some of the writing in the first episode is, like, so-so. And it, it really picks up, I think, and finds its feet in the second episode. And that's when you really start to to get into the meat of the content. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I highly recommend it. One of my favorite games of all time. Uh, as Steve called out in the last episode, it's one of the tattoos I have. So... <laughs> Uh, yeah, high praise for me for, for that franchise. And I was really, really happy that 2 was a worthy successor. Uh, I, my only disappointment with it is I wish I had played it in 2019 because it would have been on my Game of the Year lists for sure. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. a shame. But I think that's the problem for a lot of people is like the Game of the Year list is just they didn't know how time. And then the time we have off over Christmas is when you kind of cram it all in. But by that point, it's too late to, yeah. to say. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like next year I might want to do what Kind of Funny did, where they did their Game of the Year in January. Yeah, after that's the what break. I want to do. That's what I said I wanted to do this time. That's what Kotaku do as well. 
I feel like I feel like maybe we should jump on that bandwagon next yeah. year. It makes way more sense because you know everyone has had a chance to play those games and can can have a feeling for it. Because Sayonara would have been on my game of the year list. Yeah, it's it's been fun. Uh, so then the other game I played was After Party. Oh yeah, that's also on Game Pass, by the way. Yes, it is. Um, and that's uh, it's from I think it's Bossa Nova is the studio. They're uh, the creators of Oxenfree, which was a, a pretty popular like two D story game. Um, After Party is, I think, a worthy successor, but I didn't like it quite as much. I think Oxenfree has um, a, a really cool, like, supernatural, almost like horror kind of hook to it, and I think it's it's more of a drama, whereas mm. After Party is definitely like a comedy, and I respect that because there are not many video games that are intended as a comedy throughout. And I think that, like, the writing is solid. There are a lot of really good jokes. And I think the voice performances are really good. So, overall, I really like what After Party was trying to do. But I just didn't feel like it had as much resonance for me as Oxenfree did. Where, like, I finished Oxenfree and I immediately was telling people, you got to play Oxenfree. You got to go check it out. Whereas After Party, it was more like, if you liked the original, check this out. I, I, ne- I never really uh, got the hook to the point where I was hooked with Oxenfree. And it was like, um, I think it was a, during a time when I was playing a bunch of other games at the same time. So I, I never really got into the story big time. And I know it's not a long game, so I, may, I probably should go back and, and check that out at some point. It's like a five-hour deal. Yeah, it, they are my kind of games. I like like Wonder Song and I love um, Night in the Woods. It's that kind of similar style of game. Yeah, very similar. So I, I would definitely recommend After Party, I think, particularly if you have Game Pass and you can play it for free. Like, there's no reason to not try it out and see if it grabs you. Yeah. I liked it. I didn't love it. Okay. That's fair. But I think that the whole conversation system and how alcohol impacts the dialogue options that you have is very creative. Oh, and that's fun. Oh, okay. It's very cool. So it's like the big thing is like uh, there's these two best friends. They die. They end up in hell. And they find out that the way to get back to Earth is you have to beat Satan in a drinking contest. So you have to go around and, like, you know, prove that you're worthy to do the contest, basically. (laughs) So all of the, like, major story beats are you're, like, at a bar or you're somewhere where there's alcohol and you choose a drink. And each of them has, like, different qualities. Like, one of the the most common one is Liquid Courage. And it will Mm -hmm. just give you, like bolder choices but then there's like goofy ones like pirate captain or like uh like basically like a stoner party bro or like a a gooey romantic and it gives you all these like very specific dialogue options that you can use to kind of you know position yourself better in, in some of these interactions so it's very creative it's it's i think as much as i preferred oxen free i i think after party is far more unique so I, I think it deserves, it deserves points for that, for sure. kind of sounds like it has a Disco Elysium vibe in terms of how you can change um, dialogue options and things like that. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's not quite as deep as I understand Disco Elysium. Disco Elysium sounds like you're in the middle of a conversation and then, you know, you need to have, like, a certain level of speech. So it'll take you off to this whole separate section and then you'll, like, yeah. roll dice and do, like, all sorts of weird stuff in order to be able to proceed with the conversation in that route. Yeah, and I, I don't 
I didn't get the sense that After Party was that deep because I remember there was a situation where like the game was very much like, okay, this is what you need to do to get this character's favor. And I was like, fuck that. I'm not doing that. And then they kind of like gave me what I needed anyway. Oh, no. See, that's the worst. No, that's like the age-old flaw of like, let's have like, three dialogue options and, and all three of them do the exact same thing. It's like, yeah. no, don't give me choices then. Just say what you want to fucking say as a writer. Yeah, and then, like it ended up, having implications on the story because that character ended up treating me differently later but it was very much like it didn't feel like the consequences were okay. as 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 big as they should have been i guess see i played a game over christmas as well with my dad so i played man of Medan, and that is a game where the choices definitely do have an matter a lot yeah my dad ended up getting one of them fucking killed shot in the uh. face which was not ideal <laughs> But we got most of them saved. That was a great game. I, I I like those games. I'm looking forward to the next one. Yeah, I didn't like that game as much as Until Dawn. No, nowhere near as much as Until Dawn. But it was way better than the other one they did. Yeah, I, I think I think I'm I'm still very in on the whole Dark Pictures anthology. Yeah. Like I, I want. I think the next plot seems more interesting too. Oh, uh, see, I wasn't I wasn't 100 percent sold on the on the next plot where it's like um, a creepy old. Back to a back to a village or whatever it is, yeah. I'm not 100 percent sold on that yet. Like an old Victorian style place. I think that that one appealed to me a little bit more, so I'm okay. I'm looking forward to. That. We'll see. We'll see how it turns out. But. There, there's some serious performance issues with those games, though. Serious yeah. performance issues. It's weird because like Until Dawn wasn't like that. Until Dawn was a Sony game, though. It was also so, only on one platform. Yeah. So I kind of feel that Sony would have been like, uh, no, you need to polish the fuck out of that game before it's being, we're putting our publisher name on it. Well, and it's also a lot easier. Like, you look at, like, how good something like Uncharted or God of War looks. When you're only developing for one system, you can put more time into polishing it. But you just played Jedi Fallen Order, and look how polished that looks. Yeah, but it has some bugs. It has some bugs, but not at the level that, like, uh, like Man of Medan had. That's actually a thing I want to call out. I was really disappointed with uh, After Party had a lot of frame like hiccups. Like it froze for me a lot. And it didn't hard lock or anything, but it was like this game is way too simple to be having this many technical issues. Yeah, it's bad. It's not, yeah, which is like that's an easy way to take you out of a game. Especially when it's like it's one thing if it's like this huge open world game and like something pops in or something like that. But when it's like, this is a... See, I'm fine with it's that. It's a simple 2D thing with a stylized art style. Like, this should run better. Yeah. Well, I've actually also been playing some Stardew Valley again because there's been um, a massive new content update that was added. So kind of the creator of the game's come back on and he's, like, adding more content. He's taken over the publishing of the game as well. So he's kind of... Oh, really? I believe so, yeah. That's awesome. Um, or at least he's taken over the development from the publisher. So he's kind of doing everything himself now. Um, so he's added a load more content. So I got back into the game um like just some like quality of life stuff like there's a an auto collector now that you can put into oh my god that's amazing it'll pick stuff up and there's like uh, the ability to make t-shirts and fab and like clothing you can go into emily's house now and she's got like a sewing machine like take cloth and and dye it with like all sorts of items and it'll generate random stuff so i took like um I took, like, a, a dinosaur bone and put it onto the thing, and now I've got, like, a cool skull t-shirt, which, like, a skeleton t-shirt, which is fucking awesome, so. I've been enjoying Stardew Valley, but the latest update seems to have some frame rate issues, just, like, wandering around town, which is a bit disappointing, so I'm hoping that those are kind of corrected. They'll the squash those one. bugs, I'm sure. Yeah. 
Um, also, over the break, I, I played some Jackbox Party Pack 6. Nice. So it's the latest Jackbox. The one I, I really haven't checked liked, that one out yet. Oh, the, the game in there I really like is um, called Push That Button. And like two of the people, at least I think it's based on the number of people, but we had like eight people playing and like two of the people in the party um are aliens and you have to try and figure out who the aliens are and they can like um hack people like the aliens get like different questions to answer a different tasks to do but the aliens so it's kind of it's kind of like mafia people. yeah kind of and then you have to uh get you have to as a, a group figure out who the aliens are and you can push that button to let them off the ship uh, but if you send eject the wrong people then the aliens take over the ship so it's it's yeah. a cool game i love those kind of bluffing games yeah, it's like uh, Mafia, like Town of Salem, or, mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah, I love those games. They're so fun. They're great party games. Yeah, I've actually got a a, a board game like that called Deception uh, Murder in Hong Kong that I got for okay. Christmas, which is fantastic. Nice. If you're into those kind of bluffing games, like The Resistance is another uh, good one where you uh, have to detect who, who the spies in The Resistance are. But um, I think the best kind of bluffing game I've uh, uh, played, the best one in the genre, is Deception. Murder in Hong Kong, I recommend checking that out. Have you checked out Town of Salem? I haven't, no. That's my personal favorite. Both okay. the the actual like game version, like you can play it in a browser, it's also on Steam, but they also have like a, a card version that they kickstarted a while ago uh, that a friend of mine has, and it is an amazing party game. So fun. Okay. I love them because it's like it makes you, it forces you. That you know they're really good icebreaker games because like people who like if you're in a party and not everyone potentially knows each other really well, mm-hmm. they're really good to kind of force you to like interact with each other because one of you like in murder uh, in Hong Kong, one of you is a murderer, one of you is a forensic scientist who knows who the murderer is, and that forensic scientist is trying to help out the investigators, but they're not allowed to say anything. They just have to give clues through like right. these cards and so everyone's talking and like obviously if their murderer gets accused they're accusing other people and it like just gets really fun so they're really good like party games like you say and you can play with up to 12 people with um deception so it's uh, i recommend picking that one up i i remember the first time that we played town of the home version of town of salem with a bunch of my friends i was in the uh the mafia that's like one of the factions and I got found out, like, pretty early. And then oh, from no. then on, people were being like, oh, Pete's probably in the Mafia. And then I started using that. I'm just like, you guys always say I'm in the Mafia. Yeah. And I, I used that to lie in several games where I was actually in it again. And it was, like, amazing. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> I it's love that so stuff. Good. It's so good. It's, it's, it's a good time for sure. Um, I have one other thing to call out, which is last night I actually picked up God of War again. Because I, wow, I, ne- okay. I never finished it. Um, I started playing it. I think I played the first like 10 hours maybe. And that game came out right around the time that Sarah and I started seeing each other. So I very, very quickly lost interest in it. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm the, I was the same. Like, you know, I started seeing someone new late last year and it was just like, nah, I'm not interested in games at the moment. I'm just like, going to... I could play video games <laughs> or... <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I, I picked that back up last night, and I am pretty close. I'm about halfway to where I was last time. I'm, I missed out on pretty much all PS4 excuses from that year. I didn't get that. I didn't get Spider-Man. I still haven't got... I don't think I'm going to pick up... Um, what's that Kojima game? Oh, Death Stranding? Death Stranding. No, I'm never going to play that no. game. My, da- my dad got that for Christmas from my sister, and I'm like, what the fuck? I didn't want to play that game before it came out, and then every single thing I learned about it after I it came out turned me off to it even more. So yeah. I'm just like, no thanks. Not for me. 
Um, Spider-Man, I would say, like, great pickup because it's, like, regularly on sale and it's, like, 20 hours. Like, you could beat that game in, like, a long weekend. Yeah, I I mean, I actually may pick my one up because I did like Sunset Overdrive and it seems similar style of gameplay. I played all the DLC late this year, like, in that kind of sleepy time between releases. I played that and Last of Us at the, around the same time. And, uh, yeah. yeah, the DLC is great, too. Yeah, if you can, like, pick up, like, the complete edition or whatever, like, on sale, like, great value. I wrote two two more things, and that's it then, I swear. So, All right, get into I, it. We got to get into the main topic. <laughs> I've been obsessed with this mobile game that's also on Switch called Mini Metro. Have you heard of it? The name sounds familiar, but I don't so, know what it is. You basically run an underground. It's like It looks like a map of a metro. Like, the okay. Underground or the New York Metro or whatever it is. There's like For American metro. listeners, that's a subway. Yeah, the subway. Uh, <laughs> do you really not call it Metro? No. Oh, okay. The, the subway. And, like, you... See, subway's just a sandwich shop here. Anyway. <laughs> uh, and you just have to... It's so simple. You start off with... It's always a square station, a circle station, a triangle station. You usually get three lines that you can put down. Okay. And you have to get... Oh, you have to build a network without any of the stations overcrowding. So, like, the circle stations will spawn people, will spawn squares and triangles that want to go to the square station or the triangle stations. Okay, yeah, I'm with you. And the square stations obviously will do triangle and circle ones. And so you end up having to build this network out uh, without any of your stations getting overcrowded. You get, you've got limited trains, limited that carriages, limited tunnels. You have to quickly like move things around. You can move, you can like reconstruct stuff. It gets really, really intense. And the highest score I've got is like sixteen hundred. So I'm not particularly great at the game. But then you look at the worldwide high score, and it, the highest score anyone's got is like four thousand. So it's not like you're getting really, really big high scores. Eventually, it gets to the point where it's just it collapses. <laughs> but it's a really, really fun game. I've been playing it on my phone. Uh, but like I say, it's also on Switch. I would recommend if you're into that kind of strategy stuff. Really beautiful game. Um, it's worth checking out. Tight. And I also ended up picking up, or my partner got me, the Labo Variety Pack 1. I saw yeah, you built the keyboard. I saw I built the piano thing, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's so cool. Like, just the fact that you can build that, and then you can, like, put pieces of card in, and it scans the inside and shows, like, the inside of what the IR scanner thing can see. That's wild. And, like, and then it takes, like, the sound wave from what you've cut into that piece of cardboard, and like, that's really? the sound that you're producing. Yeah, it's what? In, uh, insane. That is like, really cool. Yeah, so it, like, sees, like, the sound wave, and it's like, oh, you want to use this as, like, basically a synthesizer. This is the sound wave you now want to use. And then you can, wow. like, modify the reverb. You can modify all sorts of stuff with, like, the the things if you're if you're a musician you could probably make some serious music with that uh piano i thought about doing that as like a a project do it like i'm i'm convinced they've discontinued labo because they're all on sale for like 20 quid here damn maybe i'll have to maybe i'll have to see if i can snag one at a reduced price if you can if you can get it i would say it would be a really cool video to see like what you can produce with that especially considering like you can put like that piece of card in there you can experiment with like what you want the sound waves to look like and just here's like, here's the move fun. i get that right and I'll, I'll like do a video like writing some songs and then we could do uh like a, a patreon thing where we'll, we'll release the first ever loot pots album and it'll have yes. the brown it the brown and boring single yeah. my labo jams we'll need some you chip know. tunes on that p get your chip tunes on that yeah man we'll throw we'll throw all parker's uh jingles on there yeah. <laughs> The sounds of loot pods. That would be a really, really cool one. And um, 
the the final final thing i've i've got my first comment. you said two comment. more but the final final thing i got my first comment i'm gonna read watchmen i got it oh so i've right. got watchmen to read and then i'm gonna watch the hbo series I'm, I'm getting into it, Pete, so we can talk about that on an After Dark one time. Yeah, I would love to. I'm going to be interested to see what you think of that, because I feel like... I love the concept, the fact that like they were like these really renowned vigilante superheroes, yeah. and then they like fell out of favor, and now they're just like, who are you? We don't want you around anymore. And, and now we need them back. It's interesting because I feel like um, Watchmen is one of those pieces actually my other podcast the comics pals we did a book club on watchmen recently which if you're interested in the book it's a great listen go check it out and i think it's cool because watchmen is one of those pieces where like i think it it's really good on its face like just from the craft but the more that you know about superheroes i think the more you can appreciate the deconstruction that mm -hmm. it goes through so i'll be really interested to talk to you about it because i know that superheroes really aren't your thing no i know zero about them yeah, so I'm interested to see, like, what you get out of it. See, I think the thing for me for superheroes is it just annoys me that they're, the the reasoning for their existence is always so stupid. Like, the only one I can really get on board with is Iron Man because it's like comes from technology. And, like, I can well, actually Batman's see that would maybe happen. Yeah, Batman's the same. I can get down with Batman. But Spider-Man, a fucking radioactive spider. No, all you're going to do is die. Like, yeah, you gotta just, just suspend me. your disbelief. I you can't. Get into, I can't you, do it. How? You play so many video games where you do that. Like what? Name one. Does it make any sense that that Geralt of Rivia has fucking cat eyes and can no. use magic or whatever? No, no, but you suspend your disbelief. Fine. No, but for I can't that. do it for. I can't do it for media that I'm just watching. I can't watch Game of Thrones. I don't enjoy it. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. But maybe I could if I'm playing Spider-Man. Maybe it's different because I'm like, hey, this is legit. And then I'm like flying around New York. Maybe that gets you over the hump. It could be. Check it out. All right, so that's enough of that. Uh, if you guys want to let us know what you played over your break, uh, remember there's a ton of ways you can get in touch. You can hit me up at Pete at Lupots.com like a bunch of the fine folks in our mailbag section did. Uh, you can go join our Discord, which is another way you can get in touch and get your thoughts right on the air. Uh, you can go follow us at Lupots. We've been doing a ton of giveaways lately. Uh, so if you want to go snag some free games, uh, joining our Discord, checking out our Twitter are great ways to keep up with all that stuff. And uh, it's also a great community. Come hang out. Talk to us. We're in there all the time. Uh, people are trading Pokemon. You know, we're it's, it's a great little place to hang out. So if you enjoy the show and uh, you'd like to, you know, connect with us, get your thoughts right on the air, whatever, uh, go connect with us in all those ways. If you want to check out more of our content, you can head over to LootPots.com where we've got news and reviews, our YouTube channel, our Twitch channel, all that stuff. You know how internet if you want to go above and beyond to support the show head over to patreon.com slash loot pots hit us at that five dollar level and you'll get access to our patron exclusive show after dark uh this week we have one that we actually recorded back in like november with aj from the fanatics fanatics four pots uh podcast excuse me and uh after that we've got the witcher review that pixel and i did last week that'll be coming up next week so uh some great ones and if you do subscribe there you'll get access to all of the episodes we've done there's about you know, 25 of them, I think, at this point or something like that. So uh, we think it's a great, great show. We have a great time doing it. I hope you'll check it out. Help us keep the lights on. Uh, so that's enough shilling. Let's jump into the, the meat of this episode. We had a direct this week. It was all about Pokemon. And man, I could not have predicted what they were going to announce. No. I, no. I, well, there was a rumor that was Mystery Dungeon was going to be announced. Well, that, yeah, that, whatever. But the DLC is, like, no. that's the real headline, right? So, yeah. Actually, the one I'm really interested in is Mystery Dungeon. 
Of course it is, Steve. I haven't played Sword and Shield. <laughs> yeah, I know you haven't, despite that you promised me on three separate episodes don't, you don't, would. I don't remember that. Oh, you don't remember that? That's fine. No. That's fine. No. Uh, Asobi, I know you're listening. Why don't you go find those episodes no, for me don't. and tweet no. them at Steve, okay? Please. No, I don't please. need to hit clips or anything. Yeah, no. please send him the clips. Please send him the clips, <laughs> Asobi, okay? And tell this motherfucker to play the games he promises to play for me, Okay. <laughs> So we'll start we'll start there. We'll go through this in like loose chronological order. Uh Mystery Dungeon Rescue Team DX is the remake of the I can't believe 15-year-old GBA slash DS games. Oh yeah, I feel old. Are you kidding me? Uh the demo's up now. It's going up on March 6, 2020. It'll be when you'll be able to get the actual game proper. Your save data will carry over. From the demo, yeah. There's a free demo that's out now, and I really need to go check it out. And it's about, like, an, I, I talked about it with AJ on the Fanatics 4 show, and uh, it, it's, like, a solid hour or so of the game or whatever that you can play. So it's, like, a pretty decent-sized demo, and all your progress carries over, which is always the thing that keeps me from playing demos, yeah. is that I don't want to play the same hour of a game twice. So mm-hmm. um, I, I want to check it out as well. And I'm actually really excited for this. I loved uh, the, the DS version, which was blue version. That's the only Pokemon Mystery Dungeon game I've ever played, but I have really fond memories of it. So I think this is like a great remake. You know, candidate. Are, you, are you a bit disappointed that it's a remake and not a, a new one? No, I'm actually not because I think I would be less likely to pick up a new one because there have been plenty since this game that you know I just never checked out because I kind of was like, oh yeah, I like that, but I don't really need more of it. Mm. Whereas this has a nostalgia element for me that I think will hook me back in. And then if they decide that this is their chance to kind of revitalize this IP, like this portion of the franchise, that might be the thing that that pulls me back in. I just, I adore the visual style. Like, they look like crayon drawings of Pokemon that are wandering around the place. I just think it was cool. It kind of reminds me of the original Ken Sugimori art, that like watercolor almost Mm. aesthetic, you know? Which is great. I mean, that's something I've I really... That is the thing I think I dislike the most about Pokemon's evolution, like gameplay and stuff aside, is that the original aesthetic of Pokemon was like a little bit less soft and like a little bit less like kitty, even though it was still aimed at kids. And I feel like they really started like softening the the rough edges yeah. of Pokemon as it became more popular. So like seeing them kind of break that convention and make it a little bit more stylized again is something that I'm like, I'm totally into. So the, the what's this the story and the gist behind Mystery Dungeon? Then, if you played the game, so when the game starts, you have to take a personality quiz, and it assigns you a Pokemon, and you okay. are a human who is turned into a Pokemon, and then realizes that there's this entire like Pokemon society, and you're like kind of trying to figure out why you turned into a Pokemon and like how you can get back and whatever and. Um, it's like a dungeon crawler style game where like you, it's all about like exploring and collecting resources and items and like a very, very loose translation of some of the familiar battle mechanics. Yeah. All turn based and like, it looks like it's on a grid. Yes. Yeah. I may actually, I may check this one out. It's almost like uh, Cadence of Hyrule in that way, kind of, it's not rhythm oriented, but it's yeah. like you move, other people move. And as you move, other characters are moving. So like. You need to be strategic in terms of like. Okay, I so need- they move. It's moving in real time. It's not like, um, say, like XCOM, where you have your go and then someone yes. else has their go. Yeah, but if you don't move, the other characters won't move. Okay. So it's it's like in that way. Um, 
it's so it's like kind of a hybrid between those two. And you're rescuing people, getting them to join your party, continuing through. Yep. Presumably there's a loose story or unfolding. Yeah, yeah. I don't quite remember all the finer details of the story because, again, it was 15 years ago. Um, I was much younger when this was out. But, uh, uh, yeah, it's like I said, it's like this whole Pokemon society that's there. And, like, you're going and rescuing other Pokemon. And then, like, some of them will join your party. Some of them will reward you with resources or unlock yeah. new story beats and stuff. And, um, yeah, it's a game I have a lot of really fond memories of. And I'm, I'm looking forward to picking it up again. So they spent about two minutes showing that, and then they quickly, promptly moved on to the meat and potatoes of the Nintendo Direct, yes. which was the Sword and Shield expansion pass. Did you see this coming from anywhere? No, I really didn't. So I, I'm i really excited to talk about this on this show because I there are a lot of opinions out there about it right now, and um, I'm excited to kind of plant my flag on this one because I think this is hard stop a fantastic move. Yeah, me too. I think I've, I, I think this is exactly what you were saying before, which is stop, slow down, just keep adding content to a really good game, and it seems like that's exactly what they're doing. I mean, yeah, the fact that people looked at like there are so many people. I've been retweeting everyone who's making fun of the people that hate this because the people that are hating this are like, like I, I gotta say, man, like. I don't want to get, like, inflammatory, but it feels like it's just that those same people that are committed to the idea that this that this game is bad and that Game Freak mm. screwed them. Because it's bullshit. Because people are like, oh, like, back in the day, like, we used to get these full games that were – you had to pay for an entirely second game where, like, with Yellow Version, with Emerald Version, with Platinum, I'll give you, they felt like they were enhancements. The last few have been lazy ports that had, like, maybe 20% new content. And now, instead of that, instead of paying $40 for the same game twice, which I don't want to play the same game twice, I want new stuff, you're paying 30 bucks for two expansions that are literally nothing but new content, and because it's not just rehashing shit, you're actually forcing Game Freak to, like, experiment with the engine and do new things and push their knowledge of how they can expand what Pokemon is. And like you said, I think what this looks at for, like, how it could potentially impact the development cycle is huge because now if every Pokemon game, if every proper Pokemon game that comes out has a two year life cycle where it's on the market and has a maximum return of between 90 and $180, they're making more money to give us more unique content rather than selling us the same shit again. And yep. then that means that if they do it that way, cause you look right in the direct, they showed that the, uh, there was that younger guy, I forget his name, but he's the director of the DLC, and it's not the same director of the other stuff. So it's clearly a different team making the DLC, so the main Pokemon team can now start pre-production on the next generation of games. And I don't know that that's exactly what's happening, but if that's the case, that'll lead to, instead of them having a one-and-a-half to a two-year development cycle, it could be like a three- to four-year development cycle. You know, like a normal video game? And maybe we'll stop getting, you know, these glacial advancements in Pokemon because you'll have the big new proper game that introduces the new region and the new mons and you got to do all this stuff. And then the DLC can be a little bit more experimental. And, you know, like that's all lessons learned for the next one. And you look at these, both the Island of Armor and the Crown of Tundra, which are the two releases, they're both going to be totally open areas with a completely controlled camera. Which to me is like, oh, is like Max actually tweeted about this. He said, I think this is a glimpse of what Pokemon's going to look like moving forward. 
Yeah, it's, there's two new wild areas, right? Yeah, but the entire map is a wild area, basically. Yeah. And there are, like, places and destinations that you go within them, but the whole thing is, like, an open, explorable map. So it feels like they, they had a go with that style with the wild area in Sword and Shield. They were like, people really liked that. That seemed to be the, what they wanted. And they brought that into the DLC to basically yeah. do everywhere. And now they can build on that. And then now, then when you go into whatever the next game is, that's three big, open, explorable areas that they've mm-hmm. developed. And imagine what that means for what the next game looks like with all that knowledge base rather than them just giving us ultra sword and shield or, you know, spear or whatever. And, Oh cool. It's the same area. And maybe they added a couple bells and whistles, you know, like fuck that. Like that's a waste of your money. Whereas this actually feels like it's providing legitimate value. And I, I'm, I could not be more excited about this. I think this is like the nail in the coffin for my theory of like, look, Sword and Shield, if you have complaints with it, whatever. Like, this is the Growing Pains game. And I think that the lessons learned from this game are going to make the next game so much closer to what we want, which is that Breath of the Wild-style Pokemon experience. And I don't know that we'll ever get to that true level because they will never have six years to work on a Pokemon game. But three to four years is pretty damn good. I I don't think there's going to be a new Pokemon next year. Well, there won't be. Yeah, because there's going to be the DLC. Next year. Oh, I'm sorry. In 2021. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. I'm, We're in I'm 2020 in, now, Pete. I'm still in 2019. <laughs> so, yeah. I think next year could be either they push Detective Pikachu 2 and the Detective Pikachu sequel uh, and the Detective Pikachu port into 2021. Yeah. And they say the DLC is coming this year. Let's just push those two games to next year and they can be the games that are, are coming out next year. Because they've already got Mystery Dungeon coming out this year as a new game. Or they do a Let's Go again, or a Let's Go style thing, a remake of an old game thing again, like they're doing with Mystery Dungeon. And then in 2022 is maybe when we get the next mainline Pikachu. And see, here's my thing. My my hope is, I hope you're correct. I would love it if they can extend that dev cycle by, okay, so 2019 Sword and Shield release. 2020, we have Mystery Dungeon and the DLC. Maybe 2021, we get Let's Go Johto. Uh, 2022, they do the Gen 4 remakes where it's Diamond and Pearl in this new engine with all those bells and whistles. 2022, they do DLC for that game. 2023, six years later, we get a new generation of Pokemon. And if that's the case and they actually have the time to put into developing it and like doing something new and fresh, it could actually be that real next step that we've been waiting for for so long. But your concern and the thing you've always raised about that is it's not just the games when it comes to Pokemon. You've got the toys, you've got the TV shows, you've got all of that stuff. So what do you do with that? So here's the thing. I think the DLC strategy that they've established now, they've already made a, a scenario where that works. Because with this new stuff, the Island of Armor and the Crown of Tundra, there are new Pokemon in this expansion. There are new characters, there are new locations that you could, there, if you just look at this, right, between uh, the current anime, I don't think has even gotten to the Galar region right now. I think right now Ash is back in Kanto and they're doing him like kind of going all over the world. So that already artificially extends a year's worth of the anime. They got all the Sword and Shield stuff out or whatever. Next year, they can do a new set of Pokemon cards with all the new 
Pokemon. They can do new toys based on all that stuff. They could have the season of the anime that year be about the actual Galar region. Then after that, they could do a season about the Island of Armor and the Crown Tundra, and that's all new stuff that they can release. So, like, if they do it on that in that way, like, I think that they can actually keep putting out new merchandise. And again, like there's the movies that they can capitalize on. There's all these spinoff games that they're putting out that they can capitalize on. I think they just need to change the way that they think about the marketing and it might all fall into place. And maybe I'm being optimistic, but I really feel like that's what they're trying to establish here is a new a new release schedule that gives them a little bit more room to breathe. It certainly seems that way. Uh, and I, I would be. I think a lot of people would just be happy with like packs of Pokemon being added via DLC. Like, there's now some new Pokemon to find in, in the wild areas. Oh, but they're not, Steve, because you have to pay for those Pokemon, which is uh, they cut that content so they could sell it back to you, even though that's legitimately not how it works at all. And people are crybaby idiots who don't watch the direct and then watch people share <laughs> memes on Reddit and pretend like that's a source of information. Okay. Sorry, I had to get that out there. I saw so many tweets about being like, oh, I have to buy the 200 Pokemon. That's not what happens. You can get them from home or you can trade for them. Shut up. Yeah. Well, the Pokemon <laughs> Home thing was exactly what you predicted as well, was we're getting classic Pokemon back in the game and you can get it through Pokemon Home. But yep. you do have to pay for Pokemon Home. Yeah, which is, you know, is what it is. I They've said from the beginning it was a paid service. If that's a thing that you have a problem with, oh well, don't transfer your Pokemon over. I don't know what to tell you. Mm-hmm. Or pay for it once, transfer all your Pokemon over, and then be done with it. Yeah, and then, and then transfer them the next time, yeah. Right, exactly. So yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean, I was definitely correct about how they were handling the National Decks and that we would get these Pokemon back. And something that AJ pointed out on the Fanatic show that I did with him uh, last night was... A lot of the Pokemon that are missing are Gen 4 Pokemon, and that's the next ga- That's the next generation, the Diamond and Pearl one, that's set up for a proper remake because they haven't remade okay. those games yet. Um, do you think that's going to be like a Let's Go-style remake, or do you want it like a Sword and Shield? I, I think it'll be more like Fire Red, Leaf Green, Heart Gold, Soul okay. Silver, and uh, Omega Ruby, Alpha Sapphire, mm-hmm. which um, I would love because Gen 4 is my favorite generation. And then this new engine. Yeah, right. And maybe they, you know, they add like a wild area. They do whatever. And maybe, maybe the whole thing's just got a swingable camera that you can just move around and get crazy with. God, that would be so cool. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So I mean, I, I, I'm really stoked about this. I'm annoyed by the fan reaction from some people, but I'm not surprised by it. And you know, it's always the most vocal people, though. And I think the majority of people are really happy about. I was, I was seeing some of the comments swing by when I was watching it on the direct live on YouTube. And people were so excited about it. Yeah. And so excited about like seeing some of the concept art after we saw the trailer repeat three times in a row. That was really great. I thoroughly <laughs> enjoyed that. Um, that direct was a mess. And then it cut off early at the end. I didn't it watch like, it live. Oh, it was horrendous. They showed the Isle of Armor trailer three times and then didn't show the Crown of Tundra trailer. And then we're like, uh, oops, I guess we should have shown that. And then show, show, showed that trailer. <laughs> and then it cut off at the end mid-conversation. They That's were like awful. talking about Pokemon Home and you can like transfer the stuff in or whatever. Or you don't need the DLC in order to trade the Pokemon. And then gone. See you later. That's really funny. Uh, but yeah, so then they, they showed off a bunch of new Pokemon. There's only the one... Like, it was the legendary... I, f- I forget his name. I should have that handy, but... Um, uh, is it Calyrex? That's the one with the, like, mushroom thing on his head. 
the pearl necklace. Oh, that's the one from the second one. There's the one in the first one as well. Yeah, I think you're right. Calyrax is the the grass psychic one. Yeah. But then there's the fighting type that can evolve into two different Pokemon. Oh, there's Kubfu and Urshifu. Yes. Yes. Thank you. I, that's really interesting because that's the first proper quote unquote legendary Pokemon that can actually evolve. I love Kubfu. I think it's cool. He's got like, like come at me hands. He's like, yeah, yeah you fucking what, mate. <laughs> <laughs> And I really like how they said that, like, he can evolve into one or the other based on the choices you make in the story and everything. Like, that's really interesting, I think. That's cool. Okay. So, yeah, I, I'm stoked on these new Pokemon, uh, particularly the the new Galarian forms of the legendary birds and Slowpoke. Those are fucking amazing. I love these designs. They're so great, and they're some of my favorite Pokemon. And, like... I know everybody out there being like, oh, Gen 1 pandering. Well, guess what? I'm old, so I like those Pokemon. And do you know what? Those people, the people that are paying and have the most money and like really have like a disposable income for video games these days are the people that grow up with Gen 1. Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, and I mean, aside from that, there's the 200 Pokemon from the decks getting added back. That's great. Um, I think it's a little disappointing because it's going to upend the current competitive meta which has been really cool because weird things like butterfree are like usable right now because all the stuff's off the board so you know there's always that kind of double-edged sort of the more pokemon you add the less balanced it becomes and whatever but you know um obviously people wanted that so is what it is it's good that people are getting what they want and and i was hoping it would have put an end to the the moaning and groaning but it seems like of course it didn't People found a way to be mad about it in a new way. And I'm right in thinking you can't catch the Pokemon. You have to like trade them in or transfer them in through home. You can't catch them in the in the game. You can you can catch them in the game if you buy the DLC. Okay. So if you don't buy the DLC, there's a free patch that will go up that adds them all to the game and the decks. So if you wanted to transfer old Pokemon you have from home, you can do that. Or right, okay. you can trade for them. But obviously that would limit you from getting, like, the new legendaries, the, you know, Galarian form Pokemon. Yeah. Like, I'm not sure how that all works out. But uh, AJ pointed out when I talked to him about it that if you breed um, a, a regular, like, a say you have a Slowpoke and you breed a Kanto Slowpoke in Sword and Shield, you should get the Galarian form. So um, you should be able to get pretty much any of the non-legendary Pokemon. Without easily. having to spend a penny. Right, exactly. To be honest, though, like the if if and when if or slash when I play Pokemon, I will I will get the expansion because it seems like the wild area is the thing, the main draw of the game. Yeah, have now two there's three new, of them. Yeah, to have two new areas to go and explore and like t- have all totally different environments, it's awesome. I thought it was really cool too. Uh, in the PR release from Nintendo, they called out. There's a quote from um, I forget who it was attributed to, and I don't want to say the wrong name, but uh, one of the the directors, um, might, I think it was Masuda. He was saying how the first one, the uh, armor Isle of Armor, is based on the Isle of Man, and the Crown Tundra is based on Scotland. I was gonna say, yeah, it looks uh, very snowy, and pretty much the only place we have is Scotland. Yeah. Which is cool. Well, I would have said it's more Isle of White than Isle of Man, but fair enough. I guess it doesn't have the needles, which would be Isle of Man. Isle of White. <laughs> uh, either way, I'm I'm really excited by this. I think this is a great step step forward for Pokemon and uh, a great reason to jump back into it in a couple months. You're looking forward to it then? 
Oh yeah, definitely. Have you? I know they've. You can go and get a taste or something. You can go to the station and meet your new compa- new rival already. Have you booted up the game and done that? Yeah, in uh, in Isle of Armor, there are two new characters that are introduced who can go to like the dojo that they showed up, which is where you get Kubfu, and there's a new NPC who was like Leon's master who trained him and everything. He's like a former Galar champion. And there are two characters who are training underneath him, and um, one of them is uh, uh, she is a poison trainer, and everybody was like, "Oh my god, she's the new waifu!" <laughs> and then uh, in Shield, there's a psychic trainer, and both of them are like aspiring gym leaders that are going to be like new rivals for you, and okay. you can go meet them in the main train station, and you can also catch a Galarian Slowpoke. I'm really into Avery in Shield, which is the the psychic trainer. She's got yeah. she's got like a top hat, and like the the pokeballs are all spinning around her head. There you go. So that's your husbando then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you can go check that out now. There's a patch that's available, and you can kind of get a taste of what's to come. Um, so I haven't checked that out yet, but I'm looking forward to uh, to getting back into it because I kind of. Like, I should be putting together my competitive teams, like I said I was going to, but I took a break after I finished Pokemon to, like, yeah. tr- try to knock off some other games on my list. But now I've kind of been, like, itching to get back to it while I'm, like, watching TV or whatever and just putting some work in and, you know, getting ready to uh, to jump into the competitive scene proper. The the only other thing I was, I, I know they kind of really called out was the, the new clothing. Is that something that, like, really interests you? Are you particularly bothered about how your character looks? So... There's like a hundred plus new clothing items yeah. and you can customize your bike and stuff. Yeah, so there's a lot of new a- options coming. I The only reason I'm not bothered by it is because I felt like the options they had in this game were like really robust and I was able to make a character who looks exactly like me. So like I'm already set. Like there's no <laughs> okay. new stuff that I'm probably going to add to my wardrobe because I love the way my guy looks. Like he's got a white t-shirt with like a shuckle design and Japanese text like those goofy – like trendy shirts that yeah, I yeah. wear. He's wearing a hoodie. He's got like hot red pants and cool like punk boots and, uh, and blue a blue undercut with thick rim glasses. I'm like, I'm set. It looks exactly like me. I'm good to go. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it, it, it's great. I'm glad they're adding more options and it's cool that they're adding some of the NPCs clothes into the mix and stuff. Um, more choice is always good, you know? Yeah. But it's not, it's not something that, like, really pulls you in. It's not like, oh, I need to buy the DLC because I can finally get a Pikachu t-shirt. Yeah, not for me. Like, if, if it was the stuff that was in, not in... If the base game stuff didn't let me look so much like I want to, I'd probably be more excited about it. But, like, okay. this is the one of the few games from Nintendo I've ever played where there was character customization where I felt like I could actually look like myself. Um, so I was... I'm totally already a happy customer in that that camp. Uh, yeah, so I, I'm really excited for this. I can't wait to get into it when it when it comes proper, and uh, I think it's going to be a, a really good move for Pokemon moving forward. So, I uh, I hope I hope that it delivers as much as I think it's going to. So we have a ton of questions here, all about Pokemon, almost all about Pokemon. Uh, so let's jump into a couple couple of them because we're already going a little long on this episode. Uh, so this first one comes from Scrimps, a.k.a. my buddy Tyler. He says, which of the 200 returning Pokemon are you most excited to add to your team again, and who are you the least excited to see return? Uh, this is easy for me. They showed off um, Blastoise and Venusaur having their Gigantamax forms. Blastoise is my favorite Pokemon. His Gigantamax form is amazing. Oh, so okay. 
it's got to be my boy Blastoise. Love to get him back. Uh, Pokemon I'm least excited to see is unquestionably Landorus T and Garchomp because they are cancer for the meta and they will be immediately banned because they are broken as fuck. So Landorus probably won't be, but Garchomp, he's getting banned. No fucking way. Why? Why? Why is he getting banned? He's too good. Like he. Okay, when... so he's just overpowered. Yeah, like he if he gets a dragon dance off, which is a stat boosting move, he they're like almost no Pokemon in the metagame can switch into him without dying because he's so powerful. Oh, okay. and he was banned in previous generations for that reason because he was just too good. And it's like he's on every team, and there's like nothing you can do to counter it, you know. Um, so it's like okay, like I don't I don't want those Pokemon back. It was great to not have them in the. And that's just from a competitive standpoint. Yeah. Okay. Right. I don't. I don't dislike them as Pokemon. It's more like a, you know, there's no Pokemon I hate so much I don't want it to be in the game unless it's from a competitive standpoint. <laughs> uh, so this next one comes from Left Eye Lazy, aka Matt. Both of those guys from the Longbox podcast. Do you think we'll get another Pokemon Direct this year with news about the Detective Pikachu game sequel, or will that come when more news gets revealed about the next movie? I think we will get another Pokemon Direct. They said that they had more like news to come about home. I don't think we'll have one before that. I, I do. I think we'll get one to reveal more about Isle of Armor okay, around, around June time. But that could come as an E3 thing. And you know what? The Isle of Armor could be an E3 drop because it's in June. I think we'll um, definitely have another Pokemon Direct because they'll talk about the Crown Tundra, which is like further yes. away. And we know yeah. a lot less about that. And I think Detective Pikachu 2 is probably a safe bet around that time i'm I, think... I still think as i said detective pikachu 2 is probably getting pushed to next year and i probably i yeah. think they're going to do the remake of number of the first detective pikachu and that's going to be released this year yeah i would agree there uh this next one comes from chris over on the discord he says what do you think we'll get further ex- oh i'm sorry do you think we'll get further expansions down the line or you think they'll move on to another game after this i don't think we'll get more expansions for this specific game I wonder if they might have more expansions than two per game in the future. I think that's a possibility. I think this is going to be, it's going to be dependent on how well this sells and how happy, excuse me, how happy they are with the returns for it. This is going to sell very well. And I think they will continue to do DLC in the future. But I I agree with you. I think they're calling this the expansion pass. And I think they're not going to add any more to it. Yeah. Uh, this, that seems to be the the trend that Nintendo followed for all of their games. They did the same with Breath of the Wild. They kind of outlined, this is the expansion pass we're doing, and that's everything. Did the same thing for um, Mario Kart. Smash and Mario Kart. Yeah, so they've done the same pretty much throughout. They do a single expansion pass, and that's it. They outline everything, and then you get it for one price. Yeah. I think I would be more open to the possibility of that if it was a game that was more like smash where you only got one pokemon generation per console generation but considering that i think that at some point in the next like two to six years we need to have another set of pokemon games they'll probably just do this one pack of dlc we'll see though uh so this next one comes from ram who's uh one of our patreon supporters and says are you going to dress up your character as marnie slash rose if not why are you doing something objectively wrong also, which of the new characters has your favorite design? Uwu. <laughs> uh, I will not be dressing up my characters as Marnie or Rose because I'm not trying to cosplay as other characters when I play. I'm trying to look like me. I'm already happy with how my character looks. And I would say the... Uh, oh, my God. Can, can you look up her name? It's the Poison Trainer. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, that's Clara. Clara, yeah. I, I love her new design. She's like... I get why everybody's like, oh, my God, waifu material. She's got a really cute design for sure. 
I'm I'm the opposite to you. Like I said, I I love Avery with the the pokeballs floating around her head. I think uh, I think she's cool. He, he, yeah. No. Yeah, Avery's a guy. I think. With that long hair. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. Okay, he. He's, he's a stylish magician. That's why I said husbando material. Fair enough. <laughs> Uh, this next one comes from Throws of Life over on the Discord, and uh, this is a uh, first time writing in, so thanks for writing in. Since Articuno, Zapdos, and Moltres got Galarian forms, what other legendaries would you like to see get Galarian forms as well? Hmm. Well, we also got the two new Regis, which is cool. I, I like that they added to that line of legendaries. Everyone was than... freaking out about that on the chat. <laughs> rather than doing redesigns, I thought that was really cool. I would I would be definitely down to see them do the legendary dogs like Sukun, Entei, and Raikou would be great. Um, Mew, I would love to see. I think would be another cool redesign. Um, Lugia and Ho-Oh, I remember AJ called out last night of like, hey, they did the three legendary birds. Why not do the other two? Like, that would be cool. Uh, you're going to see that obviously it's a lot of older Pokemon bias because I definitely <laughs> – I, I like legendary designs less and less as time goes on. Uh, because I think they've gotten like really, really convoluted and ridiculous, and I liked when it was just like, "This is a badass Pokemon that people aren't sure if it's real, not it controls time or it's God." So, I, Celebi would be another one I'd like to see. Like any of the older legendaries that have the more simplistic designs, I, I think I'd rather see some of those come along. Any picks for you? I literally have zero idea, Fair so I'm enough. not saying anything. Uh, okay, so this one next. I don't know how to say this. This is another new member of the Discord. It's Haruderu? Haruderu? I, I, I would say Haruderu. Haruderu? Okay. Well, you let us know if we Haruderu. got it. Haruderu. Right. <laughs> it, kind of, it kind of seems clear that there won't be new Pokemon mainline games this year with the Crown Hunter releasing Fall 2020. What do you think we will see next year? Let's go. Gen 4 remakes, even more DLC for Galar. We talked about this a little bit. I think Let's Go is probably the most likely, but I also think a Gen 4 remake makes sense. Yeah. Either of those seem like solid choices. I'd like another Let's Go. I loved how chill that game was. Just like, I would just be sat on the sofa with the TV show on, just wandering around looking for a new shiny Pokemon. Yeah, I'd be down for that if they do Johto because I love the Johto region, so... Yeah, I'd, I'd be all in on that one. Let's go surprised me. I really didn't think I would like it, and I, I, th- I thought it was fun. Uh, this next one comes from Jarno-Olaf. <laughs> uh, very simple question, but I just want to know, which one of the two aisles are you most excited about to play, and why are you that? Isle of Armor. I think I like Isle of Armor, and, too. And do you know why I think it's the Isle of Armor? Why? Because it's bloody freezing, and it looks so appealing compared to how it feels right now. I'm so cold. I'm sick and tired of the cold. I want it to be summer. And looking at snow does not seem like summer I want to go right now. It doesn't look like a very friendly place, the Crown Tundra. Whereas the Olive Armour looks like I could go on holiday there. And the thing is, I like that about it. But I think I'm more interested in the biodiversity of the Isle of Armor because it looks like it's got a lot going yeah, on. Yeah, but look at all the slowpokes just chilling out on the beach. I love it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, man. I want to go chill out <laughs> with those slowpokes. Like, I'm all about that life. So uh, we have two emails from uh, Zaid and uh, Asobi, who are two of our you know loyal listeners. Uh, I am going to save those for next week because they are not on Pokemon topic, and we are going a little long in the tooth. So I have your emails, guys. I promise we'll read them next week. 
Uh, thanks for writing in. Thanks to everybody over on the Discord who wrote in. Remember, if you want to write in and get your thoughts right in the air, just like these fine folks did, you can hit me up at Pete at LootPots.com. Jump over to the Discord and hit us in the podcast channel or tweet at us at LootPots um, on Twitter. So go check us out over there. Thanks to everybody who wrote in. Thank you for tuning in for the first episode of 2020. Remember, uh, aside from all those places I just mentioned, you can go ahead and uh, visit us at loopots.com. Support us over on Patreon and get access to After Dark and listen to us you know, talk about everything else under the, the sun that isn't Nintendo. And um, yeah, other than that, I hope you're having a good New Year. I hope that uh, the first week back was a little bit easier than mine was. And uh Here's hoping 2020 is our, our year. So uh, thanks again for tuning in. We'll catch you next, next week for another episode of the podcast.